Welcome to the Big Fundamental Spurs podcast, a Ken's 5 podcast all about your San Antonio Spurs from the official TV station of the San Antonio Spurs. I'm Cameron Songer, and joining me this week, Ken's 5 sports anchor Joe Reinagle. Joe, thanks for stopping by. Well, thanks for having me. This is always fun. And uh, Joe, the Spurs have not really been having fun this last <laughs> week. There was a fun moment, and I think it's a good place to start, would be the, uh, the retirement ceremony for uh, Tony Parker. A really heartfelt moment, a guy who's meant a lot to this organization, to this city, and for him to get that sort of that proper send-off. You know, it, it, it was great, and the ceremony was great, but boy, it sure makes you reflect back on, on what the Spurs were and what they had with the big three. Uh, and to see him go in there as the, kind of the cherry on top of the official retirement of the big three, it kind of makes you think that, oh my goodness, you know, what a great time that was for Spurs fans, and uh, will we ever get that back again? That's a big question. But it was good to see Tony, uh, you know, have his jersey hung in the rafters, and it, it uh, uh, brought back a lot, a lot of memories, for sure. It was a long time coming, too, because he had been a part of the, the retirement ceremonies for Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili. His, his number nine now hangs up next to 20 and 21 up at the AT&T Center. And uh, yeah, the, the, you know, the tribute videos are always emotional. The, uh, you know, the highlights and, and hearing all those guys reflect on just how much fun they had playing together is something really unique. You know, and Tony Parker, just to, to go back, and, and a lot of Spurs fans remember this, he, he probably back, even back in his heyday was the most underrated point Absolutely. guard in the league because there were a lot of good point guards in the Western Conference at that time. But Parker was always one of those guys that was fearless, um, and he really was the driver of this Spurs team. Everybody talks about Manu and Timmy, but uh, without Tony Parker, I don't think things would have been as great as they were. And I know, you know, when Manu's jersey was retired last year, the conversation was about he could have been an all-star somewhere else. He, he really sacrificed so that, to, so that he could be a part of a championship team. And that, that's less the conversation around Tim Duncan because he was always the centerpiece. But you could say a lot of those same things about Tony Parker. Yeah, you could. Absolutely. I mean, Parker and Parker was one of those guys that, that came in so young and was willing to take the wrath of Greg Popovich <laughs> to learn and to adjust his game. You know, Tony Parker, the big knock on him early was that he was so quick, he got to the basket, and he was fearless going inside. The problem was he didn't have a jump shot. But he developed that jump shot over the years, and that made him a very dangerous player and a completely different player after that because people had to respect his outside shot. So um, he evolved and was willing to do that to be great. And I, th I certainly think that uh, he will go down as one of the great point guards, no doubt. And there's a conversation to be had too, maybe not in this podcast, but you know how different his career might have been if he was coming out now because that's always a, it's such an important part of the game nowadays, that outside shooting and whether teams have the patience to let a guy develop a jump shot and, and really work around the skill set that he has. You look at what's happened with Markel Fultz's career. Uh, it's just one example of many. But, yeah, that's, that's something that I, I think is maybe we won't see again where teams are patient with a guy and letting him uh, play to his strengths at least early on. Well, I hope the Spurs are because they need a guy to develop a jump shot. They need a, a, several of them right now. That's a big problem. I know we're going to get into that later, but I mean, that's a huge problem that the Spurs have right now is they have no three-point shooters. And uh, in this day and age in the NBA, you've got to. I mean, there's teams taking 
40, 50, 63 point shots a game. Um, you know, they don't have to shoot a very high percentage at that and, and you know, they, they'll kill you and, and that's what's happening. And right now that's, that's definitely what the Spurs are lacking among other things, but that's certainly one of those glaring things. Well, let's get into the past week. Obviously, Tony Parker's Jersey retirement, it was sort of spoiled by the fact that the Spurs lost that game against the Grizzlies. So let's go back and talk about the last few games. The last time we had one of these podcasts was right before the Spurs played the Thunder. Coincidentally, the last Spurs win, they won a home game against Oklahoma City on Thursday night, 121-112. LaMarcus Aldridge was outstanding in that game. And he had to be, though. I mean, he really did. Oklahoma City would not go away in that ball game, uh, And so Aldridge needed to be, not only because of Oklahoma City, but because Aldridge hadn't been very special in the games before. So you figured he was due uh, and wanted to have a good game, and he certainly did, and it came at the right time. So that was certainly good to see, although... It really hasn't translated out, and, and we're still waiting for, I think, LaMarcus to hit his stride, although he's not playing badly, no, certainly, no. right? Most of the time, the numbers have been really good, but uh, the game, that game in particular, yeah. 39 points of, on 19 of 23 shooting. So you look at how many points a guy scored and how many shots it took him to get there. It's a, just a rough sort of an eyeball test mm -hmm. at, at, when you're looking at a box score. Uh, that's really, really good. And DeJounte Murray also really brought his A game just missed out on a triple-double, had a career-high uh, 10 assists, just two rebounds short of a triple-double, also had 17 points. So really nice stuff to see from the young point guard. Oh, no question. And the guy's going to be a star. He really is, although he's struggling a little bit now, and I think that's going to come. We're going to see ebbs and flows from, from DeJounte Murray because he is still young. He's still very raw. But, yeah, you see numbers like that, Cameron, and it's, it's interesting, and you know that, that that's the potential that he's got. And a lot of people have already early, fair or not fair, comparing this guy to Russell Westbrook and what he can do. Um, so hopefully he will develop into that style of player. Uh, a little less selfish maybe, but you know, hopefully he develops into that and somebody that will, will go on and be an all-star multiple times. Well, defensively, the tools are there. Murray right. already ha sort of has that pedigree defensively with the uh, all-NBA defensive second team, and he has the, has the wingspan for it and uh, really fits Coach Pop's uh, desire, what he wants to do really well. One other note from that game, the Spurs actually shot the ball pretty well in that contest, making 9 of 20 from long range, and Trey Lyles making both of his threes. Mm -hmm. he's, he's usually the overlooked guy in the starting lineup. A lot of games will go by. He doesn't even get in the scoring column because he's only taking two shots. But I think for the Spurs to really be successful, that's the next thing for them, is if Trey Lyles can space the floor, make other defenses uh, respect, that opens up so much more for DeMar and LaMarcus. Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing that, you know, that, that Davis Bertans did. And they certainly miss him in that whole debacle over the summer. So that's been a big problem because all I hear now is, oh, this is the same team. How come they're not playing? Well, you, you get a guy like a Davis Bertans who can knock down the outside shot. When he's in the ball game, you're right. Everything just opens up inside and it frees LaMarcus Aldridge to do what he can do. And, and DeMar DeRozan, too, with that mid-range jumper that he has. So that is certainly going to hurt the Spurs, or it has already. So if Trey Lyles can kind of become that guy to some extent, yeah, it's going to help out a lot. And, and you know, there's some other guys that, that really need to do that as well. Bryn Forbes, uh, who hasn't really been shooting the ball all that well yet. Um, you know, and even I think DeJounte Murray will develop into a three-point shooter. So um, there, there's hope and there's potential, but certainly you miss a guy like Davis Bertans that you may not think about right off the top of your head, but certainly they're 
they're missing him right now. And one other note on Trey, Trey Lyles that he does really well is he he's a, has a ton of energy, grabs yeah. a lot of rebounds, is very active on the defensive end, maybe more so than a Bertans and some of these other guys. So you, you take the good with the bad, especially with the young guys, sort of a reclamation project, but something to keep an eye on uh, for sure, especially in the starting lineup for the Spurs. Uh, so coming off that nine-point win against the Thunder, the Spurs were staying at home. This was a Saturday game against the Boston Celtics on November 9th, and Yikes, 135-115 loss. The Celtics are playing really well right now, but that's still not something Spurs fans like to see. Well, and I think they were still asleep. That 4 o'clock start kind of threw them for a loop because they just did not come to play in that first quarter of that ball game. It was very sad, and you dig a big hole against a good team like Boston, it's very difficult to climb out, and that's what the Spurs found out. Um, you know... And that's been the trend, Cameron. If, if you've noticed here over the last several ball games, the Spurs really starting slow. And I'm not sure what the answer is or what the problem is with that, but it's something they need to get fixed. But against a team like Boston, you can't do that. Yeah, I think at least the last two games, and I think in that game as well, you're looking at double-digit deficit after 12 minutes, right. and that's really hard. Uh, the, the big takeaway from that game, at least from a national perspective, and we'll talk more about the national perspective in a few minutes, uh, that's the game Gordon Hayward broke his hand. Yeah. You just, your heart just goes out to that guy because he's battled back, had that devastating injury on opening night two seasons ago in 2017, and uh, just sort of just a weird-looking play with LaMarcus Aldridge. Nothing, um, you know, flagrant or mean-spirited. Just, it just kind of happened, and that's bad luck. But I'll tell you what, the, uh, the other Celtics guards really stepped up in that game. Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, using that uh, Team USA experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really coming back and, and biting Coach Pop a little bit. Uh, they combined to score 56 points uh, against the Spurs' backcourt, and uh, they looked good doing it. Well, Kimball Walker is just a great player. I've always been a big fan of Kimball Walker. And so that, that was a big pickup for the Celtics, without a doubt. And it's making them the team that they are, certainly helping to what they're doing. So Kimball Walker is just a fantastic player. Jalen Brown, you know, I, I'm not sure he's going to do that night in and night out. But uh, but he is there, and he certainly has the potential. But, but uh, Walker might have been up there in the top three of pickups in the offseason for a team. That's saying something, too, because it was a busy offseason. Yeah. Uh, we talked about LaMarcus Aldridge. He had that 39-point game just a couple nights ago. He had three against the Celtics, and the, uh, the Spurs allowed 60 points in the paint against Boston. Uh, Coach Pop talking after the game about uh, his team's performance. Quote, what surprises me is that we were so unaggressive and so unphysical against the team. And I think you have to get up for certain games. And I know it's, like you said, it's hard to get up for a 4 p.m. Saturday game in early November against an Eastern Conference team when you're the Spurs. Uh, but the Celtics are now 9-1. and one. That was win, I think, number six in a row for them. Yeah. They're up to nine in a row. So they're, they're a team you should be really excited to play against. And it, by the sounds of things, Coach Pop said his team just didn't really want to play, didn't really feel like being out there. Well, yeah, that always surprises me, whether you're talking about basketball, football, uh, or any sport like that. You know, the, the slow starts. I, I just don't understand it. And, you know, there, there are a lot of theories as to why that is. I mean, is it just an attitude from the players? Is it coaching? Uh, you know, what is that? But but you're right. I mean, if that was if that would have been, I don't know, Memphis or Atlanta or somebody, okay, maybe you see that, you're really not up for it. But Boston, coming in hot as they were on your home floor, you figure you want to get up for that ball game, get off to a good start, and, and really show the rest of the league that you can compete with the elite in the NBA. And the Spurs didn't do that. So that set the stage for the Spurs game on Monday night. Uh, Tony Parker, Jersey retirement night. I think that's another one where you're expecting the guys to be yeah. fired up for it. There's it's a sellout crowd. There's a lot of energy in the atmosphere. Great, granted, 
I think the excitement was really for the post-game ceremony. People right. were just sort of expecting a win, maybe, against a Grizzlies team that hadn't won a road game up to that point. They had a lot of young guys who really are not tested at the NBA level, and the Spurs came out really flat in the first quarter. They were outscored uh, badly, 35-22 in the first quarter, also outscored by eight in the third quarter. And they looked really good in the second and fourth. So, we, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about how the Spurs have just been inconsistent, not just game to game, but quarter to quarter. And you're absolutely right. But again, a slow start. And, and I don't know what is the cause for that. And that's something, obviously, as a team, they've got to figure that, that out. Uh, I'm not even sure if that's a Greg Popovich thing. You know, that may be a team meeting and saying, hey, guys, what are we doing? And, you know, we've got to get off to better starts and make sure that we have our focus and our energy right from the opening tip. Because even against a team like Memphis, I mean, they were down double digits, right, for a couple of different times in that game. And you expend a lot of energy trying to get back into ball games like that. And, and it really showed, even when the Spurs took the lead late in the fourth quarter of that ball game, it showed that they were just a little bit out of gas and it allowed Memphis to come back and win that ball game. Do you want to give a shout out to Rudy Gay, 27 minutes off the bench. He scored 18 points and led the team with eight rebounds, but it wasn't enough. Uh, ultimately, 113-109 loss in that game against the Grizzlies. I think another thing to keep an eye on was uh, the points in the paint. We talked about the 60 that the Celtics got against the Spurs on Saturday. Monday, it's a little bit better, but not much. 48 for the Grizzlies, and Jonas Valanciunas really sort of had his way in the paint against the He looked the like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, didn't he? I mean, I know that's a way back in the past. You, you might not even know who that is. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the guy like that just looking fantastic. Uh, you got to do a better job. Obviously, the interior defense has got to be better. Jakob Pertl, young guy, develops. I think he will be better, but he's got to get better. I think LaMarcus, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge has got to help out in there as well. And so the Spurs have got to get better. And you look at all of these things, and, and, and there's a trend, as you're seeing, as we go down these games. Uh, the interior defense, the slow starts. Uh, the lack of shooting, all of these things I think can be fixed and will progress, but right now it's a problem. And you say you don't want to get in a hole in the first quarter of games, you certainly don't want to get a hole in the Western Conference either, as good as it is, and try to have to fight your way back into a playoff position. So these things need to be fixed, and they need to be fixed quickly. And this is the kind of game that might end up coming back to bite the Spurs later sure. in the year. Uh, this is a, a team that's probably not going to be in the playoff conversation in Memphis. I, that's not even really their goal. That's not really where people are expecting them to be. And uh, the Spurs had chances to, to make this a, a really close game down the stretch. Missed free throws by LaMarcus, missed free throw by DeMar right down that home stretch. And, and Coach Popovich, again, with the post-game quote that really sort of sums it up. Quote, you just keep going. You just keep playing. There is no magic formula. And I, I know everyone's minds were sort of also on Tony Parker and, and that night, but you got to win some of these home games at some point. The Spurs went 1-2 uh, and two in this three-game homestand. Well, especially at home. You've, you've got to protect home court. I mean, that's been a battle cry around here for as long as I can remember. Protect home court. It, it's understandable to have a losing record on the road. You can see that, although the Spurs typically or historically have been a pretty good road team. But, yeah, you, you got to protect home court, and that's an issue because especially when you look at the schedule the next – couple of weeks the Spurs are on the road quite a bit and uh, so you got to pile up those wins at home for sure. So the Spurs went on the road Wednesday night this is November 13th went up to Minnesota lost 129-114 uh, to the Timberwolves wasted a pretty good performance from both LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. DeMar especially shot 66% from the floor 12 of 18 added uh, five rebounds four assists and two blocks both of the Spurs guys who you expected to step up 
they stepped up, but the, the rest of the guys weren't really there. Yeah, and, and you expect when you get 50-plus uh, combined from those two guys, you're going to win some ballgames. When you score 114 points, you should probably be in the conversation of winning a ballgame. The, the problem is, as we've discussed, uh, is defense um, and a lot of three-point shots. I mean, Minnesota takes a lot of three-point shots, and again, you don't have to shoot for a high percentage for that to burn you. So they've got some shooters. Even the big cat, Carl Anthony Towns, is shooting the three now, and so that's a killer when a big man like that is uh, – is doing a good job from outside. So uh, another flag, another issue that the Spurs have got to work on. The other thing, Cameron, I mean, when you look at this, uh, as as good as DeJounte Murray was in the first three ballgames of the season, he's kind of been a no-show since. Again, he's a young kid. He's got a lot to work on. But, you know, they, they need a lot more out of him. And he, he signs a big contract for $64 million. You've got to play. You're going to paid like a superstar. It's time to play like one. Yeah, you talked about the three-point shooting, and the Spurs are not a team that, that shoots a lot of threes. Uh, after Wednesday's game, uh, NBA.com says the Spurs are second to last in both three-point makes and three-point attempts. And uh, the, the numbers from Wednesday's game certainly didn't help. The Spurs attempted 17 three-pointers and made just three of them. That's 17%. And when one guy is responsible for two-thirds of your makes, uh, Bryn Forbes made two three-pointers. The rest of the team made one. That's yeah, it was Patty Mills, and yeah. it, was a, it was an and one. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, another problem. The Spurs don't have any three-point shooters. Uh, other than Bryn Forbes and Patty Mills, the, the, you know, everybody else is kind of uh, inconsistent. DeMar DeRozan is not a three-point shooter, and he's not going to be, I don't think, late in his career. And again, DeJounte Murray's been working on that. He's a possibility that, of somebody that can do that. Derek White as well. Um, but, yeah, these guys have got to start making some threes because that's where the NBA is right now. Yeah, and you want to talk about where the Spurs are at now 11 games into the season. The only thing that they're doing consistently is being inconsistent. Yeah. And talking about even on a quarter-to-quarter -quarter level, we talked about it a little bit in uh, the, the Grizzlies game where it was the odd-numbered quarters that really hurt the Spurs. On Wednesday against the Timberwolves, it was the, the middle two quarters. Minnesota scored 40 in each of the second and third quarters and had 49 in the other two quarters combined. So really, the first and fourth, the Spurs were fine. It was uh, They were just letting the, the Wolves go crazy in the middle. Yeah, and again, interior defense. So, yeah, inconsistent. I mean, that's that's what it is. It's inconsistency, and I think it's all of these things that, you know, you don't panic. Obviously, there's still a lot of basketball to be played, but and there's things that can be fixed. But, again, I just think this year, more so than a lot of other years, you don't have a lot of time to fix those things because the Western Conference is just brutal. It's stacked, it's loaded, and the, the teams at the top are not going to fall back to you. You're going to have to keep up with them. So it's something the Spurs are going to have to get fixed and get fixed quickly or they're going to fall out of that race uh, very soon. So the Spurs sit at 5-6. and six. They're under 500 for... It's a, it's a very rare occurrence, let's say, when the yeah, Spurs are absolutely. under 500, and yeah. uh, you know they're almost always a winning team. That's that's not the case right now, and you wonder where's you know where's the help going to come from? Where's the change going to come from? Take a quick look at how uh, the, the Spurs in the G League are doing, because they do have uh, a handful of young guys who will probably come in and make some sort of uh, difference at some point during the season. The two rookies who were drafted in the most recent class, uh, Keldon Johnson and Luka Samanich. Uh, how they're doing. They're both putting up pretty good numbers for the Austin Spurs, who are 1-2, and two, but the, the thing I'm keeping an eye on is that they're turning the ball over a lot, almost four turnovers a game each. And I know the G League game is really fast. It's very different for fans who aren't familiar with it. They really emphasize pace, and it's not uncommon to see scores have been the 120s or 130s. So more scoring, more turnovers is not a surprise. Uh, do you want to keep an eye on how well they shoot the ball? 
solid to start, nothing jumping out off the page at you. Uh, Keldon Johnson, though, 60% from the floor. So that's solid. Very small sample size, though. Very small sample size. But what I like about Keldon Johnson, I, th I was just, I was thrilled when he fell as far as he did in the draft and the Spurs were able to get him. Not only is he a shooter, he's a scorer, but he plays defense as well. And the one thing, you know, when you look at both of these guys, too, they're very, very young. Both and 19, right? Both 19, and, and so it's going to take a while. So having said all of that, the Spurs' future looks bright. I think it's the immediate concern the next year or two or three that are going to be difficult. And, you know, hopefully the, the playoff streak doesn't end. But uh, if, if it does, I don't think it's going to be too long before this team is back toward the upper echelon of the Western Conference again because the future is bright and there's some talent, uh, young talent on this squad. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is the Spurs are able to have guys who are young and already NBA caliber guys, and they haven't been picking in the lottery. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of other teams – make lottery picks year after year and still find themselves sort of on the treadmill, just barely maybe being considered a fringe playoff team. The Spurs are down right now. They're still in that sort of situation, and they're getting much better talent in the draft in the late 20s as instead of teams that are maybe picking in the 10, 15 range. So if the Spurs end up getting a pick that high, if the season goes badly, if they make a trade or something like that, you're really confident that they'll nail it. Yeah, they will because they've done it for, I mean, they've got a good history of it, right? For the last 25 years or so, they've been picking pretty well. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, and it, it will be interesting to watch as the season progresses. If the Spurs continue to fall or the, or the Pop makes the decision that, you know, they're probably not going to be a playoff team. And, and then the trades that might be made or discussed with DeMar DeRozan or LaMarcus Aldridge um, and, and how much playing time these guys will get. Because let's face it, Cameron, I mean, probably longer than you've been alive. I mean, this team has been good and has made the playoffs. Maybe not quite that long. but Pretty close. Pretty, pretty close, close, right? So uh, it's been a pretty good run. I mean, you know, in, in professional sports, it just doesn't happen. And, and from time to time, franchises, teams have to rebuild. And it may be that Spurs time as we're coming up, as much as Spurs fans don't want to talk about that. But if that is the case, they've got a pretty good foundation to go on already. Yes, yeah, suffice to say, I don't remember the Spurs missing the playoffs yeah. in my time being an NBA fan. Uh, I'll tell you this, though. I think the Spurs, if they're going to try to be competitive towards winning a title, because they're, they're not in the title no. conversation this year, uh. it, it oftentimes feels like it's going to be better to sort of reset for a year mm -hmm. or even two and then get right back in it. A team that I think will be a good example of that is the Golden State Warriors. And we'll talk yeah. about them a little bit more in a little bit. Do want to turn our attention to uh, the next week for the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, a pretty busy week. They stay on the road for a game Friday at the Orlando Magic. The return trip uh, for that just two, it's, they play a home and home. It's an East versus West. That They won't see them again until February 29th. That game will be shown on Ken's Five. On Saturday, uh, the Spurs take on the Blazers for the second time already this year. That's after a 113-110 win for the Silver and Black on October 28th. And then they'll play again in February to wrap up the season series against well, that team. a disappointing team so far, too. You no kidding. About the Portland yeah. Trailblazers. Yeah, they're yeah. just 4-8. and eight, So yeah. they were another team that was considered, uh, you know, probably a playoff team, yeah, but absolutely. maybe not. And uh, they were they were in the Western Conference Finals right. last year. And, yeah, they're, you want to talk about a team that's kind of hitting the panic button a mm -hmm. little bit, maybe more so than San Antonio. Absolutely. Uh, Monday night, the Spurs... Uh, are on the road in Dallas taking on a, a surprising Mavs mm -hmm. team. They're 6-4. and four. That game will be shown on Ken's 5. And then on Wednesday, the Spurs go back out on the road to take on the Washington Wizards, a team they beat by two uh, in the second game of the season. That's a team that's 2-7 uh, and seven to start the year. 
Quick break now, a reminder that KENS 5 is the official TV station of the San Antonio Spurs. We're hearing 14 games on KENS 5 this season. The next one coming November 18th when the Spurs visit the Dallas Mavericks. And new this year, you can watch that game and any game that we air on KENS 5 on the KENS 5 app. Download the new KENS 5 app, it's free, and don't miss out on any of the action. Remember, we'll also have plenty of exclusive Spurs coverage on KENS 5 and KENS5.com throughout the season. Joe, let's take a look now around the league, talk about how the Spurs are doing in the context of the broader NBA. It feels like oh, maybe a little cliche that the conversation goes to the Los Angeles teams. They've, they've sort of been the headliner right. since uh, free agency opened up. But man, uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis have worked together, haven't they? Uh, 80 sat out the game against the Warriors, which the Lakers won easily. Uh, as a duo, they're averaging 50 points a game. Uh, LeBron is leading the league in assists. 80 is right up at the top in rebounds and blocks. And uh, this team is scary, and I think they're only going to get better. Well, you know, everybody was talking about the Clippers, the Clippers, the Clippers. They're going to be the, the class of, of the Western Conference. But, you know, when you looked at that Laker roster from top to bottom, I think the Lakers have more depth, and, uh, and, and they're a good team, and they're certainly going to be in the conversation when it comes down to it. Now, the Clippers will get better, obviously, because Paul George is coming back. He's, he hasn't played yet this year because of that shoulder surgery, but he's coming back, so they'll get a little bit better. And... But, you know, you could see a scenario where those two teams actually meet up in the Western Conference Finals uh, this year. So, but, but LeBron and AD, with those two guys playing the way they are, they're, they're, you're right. They're a scary team, and they're going to be difficult to beat. Yeah, both LeBron and AD averaging a, a player efficiency rating, a PER above 26, which is ridiculous mm -hmm. for uh, even, even early on. Kyle Kuzma just getting back into the swing of things. He was yep. injured to start the season. I also think they're going to be a real contender in the buyout market if, you know, come end of the season. That's going to be a real hot destination for anybody who sure. is, uh, is looking to go ring chasing if they get bought out. And uh, they're already in first place in the West, so uh, that that's going to be uh, – they're, they're scary. They're, yeah, they're they really, are. And from top to bottom, they're scary. It's not just AD and LeBron. I mean, they've got some talent. You mentioned Kuzma, but they've got some other players there as well. And, Former uh, Spur Danny Green. Absolutely. Danny Green, he's playing really well. And so, yeah, they're a scary team. Depth-wise, I think they've got more depth than the Clippers do. Uh, so, to me, would give them the edge. Another key performer from the last week, uh, Andrew Wiggins, who I think is an early contender for maybe most improved player. It seems like it's way too early to be talking about that. Uh, the knock on him going into his sixth season in the NBA season, he sort of disappears at times. Yep. You know, he's on the floor, but what's he really doing? He's been a stat sheet stuffer, especially this month, uh, and especially against the Spurs on Wednesday. 30 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. That was his sixth straight game with 25 or more. And in the month of November, halfway through, he's averaging 29-5-4, shooting 50% from the field and 40% from deep. He's playing the best ball of his career right now. No question about it. We'll see what happens come February, March uh, with Wiggins. And hopefully he, for the Timberwolves' sake, he doesn't disappear again. But uh, you're right. And last night he was, he was in, unstoppable. The Spurs had no answer for him at all. So, um, it, you know, it's good to see because you're right. I mean, this guy's been, you know, just kind of up and down his entire career. And to see him playing this way is 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 good for Minnesota, not so good for the rest of the West. <laughs> yes, looking at the rest of the West, you talk, we talked about uh, the Lakers and, and, and the Clippers. Uh, speaking of those Clippers, they're expected to get Paul George back for uh, tonight's game. We're recording this on a Thursday. The Clippers at 7-4, and four, they'll take on the Pelicans on a Thursday night here. So we should be looking at the return of Paul George. Yeah. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard's getting load managed throughout the uh, throughout the course of the season. That's and another show. Okay? <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Uh, but 
I'm telling you, that those, those, those are looking like the top two teams in, in the West right now. The Lakers have the better record. The Clippers won the first head-to-head even without Paul George. So, yeah, they're uh, they're scary. And then uh, Utah uh, is another team. I, you, you might have just about to mention them, but that's a team that that is scary as well. And don't count them out. They're going to be in the conversation. Well, Denver will be as, uh, also. So, I mean, it's just the, the, the West is just absolutely brutal. Those, those top were, four right oh there, Utah, Denver, L.A., and L.A., yeah. is, it's murderous. It's almost, like, it's almost like you don't even want to be the even the sixth seed this well, year. Well, then you got the Rockets starting to play well. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, you go from top to bottom. It's, it's just nuts, and it's, uh, boy, I, I've never seen the West this stacked before. I'll tell you one team who's feeling it at the bottom right now. The last place team in the Western Conference is the five-time conference defending champion Golden State Warriors. Yeah, and yeah. They, they were obviously decimated by, uh, you know, Kevin Durant leaving. They, they got the sign and trade to get D'Angelo Russell back. But injuries, injuries have been uh, the huge struggle for them. They're without both Splash Brothers. Uh, Steph Curry might come back in February at the earliest. Klay Thompson might not return at all. You know, they just opened a new arena there in San Francisco. There's still plenty of excitement around that team. Uh, but there's, I think, some questions about that team's game plan moving forward. Technically, in that sign-and-trade that sent uh, D'Angelo Russell to the Bay Area, they owe Brooklyn a top-20 protected first-round pick this year. It's not going to convey, obviously. Uh, you know, Earlier in the season, or in the offseason, people were talking about, oh, that's, that could be a sneaky good for Brooklyn. That obviously is going to work out the other way. The, the question now is just how bad are the Warriors going to be and how, you know, what do they really want to be this season? Do you try to rush Stephen Clay back to, to push to try to get into the playoffs? Or at this point, are you just already looking at this as a lost season for the Warriors? I think you have to because I don't think Clay Thompson, I, he's the guy I don't think you rush back. I think you, he sits the entire year. You try to get him ready for next year. And, you know, who knows? The Warriors get in the lottery, maybe get a, a, you know, a, a top pick there. Uh, and then you get Curry back and Clay Thompson back. Um, and, and you're going to be a pretty solid team, you know, coming back from that. But I think at this point in time, we've talked about it, the West is stacked, and you're in the bottom and you fall way behind, you're not going to catch most of those teams, and it's going to be very difficult. And even if you do manage to slide into that eighth spot, you're probably going to go home early. So I think uh, the Warriors are smart enough to know that, look, you know, it's, it may be just time to count their losses, develop some young players, get them some, some experience playing right now. Um, but I think you're, you're looking at next year versus this year if you're the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, thinking about the future, that's something that's driving me batty, Joe. Uh, load management for rookies. And, you know, I think veterans have earned the right to get, you know, load managed a little bit. But for rookies, I, I, I'm not really seeing the, the bigger picture here. Uh, we're looking at two different philosophies. So the Grizzlies are sitting John Morant in the second half of back-to-backs. They're keeping him under 30 minutes a night. He played, just 30, he played more than 30 minutes just once uh, this season. Meanwhile, the Knicks were recently criticized for playing R.J. Barrett 40 minutes in a blowout loss. Like, they're supposed to be sort of keeping him under wraps a little bit more. So what are we doing here? Are we treating these guys like action figures, rare action figures that they, they're not allowed to come out of the box? Or are they 19-year-olds who can play 82 games, they're going to learn how to play through an entire season and get better by going out there and making mistakes? Last time I checked, these are top five guys who are supposed to be playing basketball. Playing basketball, the difference is, and, and it, it translates to any from college to the pros, it's such a more difficult uh, uh, task 
to do that in the NBA? Number one, game-wise, what are you playing, like 30-some-odd games in college, right? And then all of a sudden you're asked to play 82-plus and you make the playoffs. So, so that's something that has to get used to. But you're right. This year is a lot different, I think, than in years past. These guys need to play. Uh, they need to go out there and, and help their team, and that's why they were drafted. Um, it, you know, back-to-backs, I can see perhaps – I wish there was a way we could get rid of back-to-backs, period. I don't think they're right. I don't think it helps anybody. But having said all that, right now we've got to deal with it. The NBA is trying to, to do something about it with that man, because we almost play year-round in the NBA these days. So they're trying to do something about it, but, but it's still a fact of life. The Spurs are going to rest DeJounte Murray at some point in time, right? He's not going to play in a back-to-back, probably won't play Saturday night against the Portland Trailblazers. So, um, you know, the reason for that, obviously, he's coming back from injury, although, gosh, I'd like to see him turned loose and go. However, you're right. I think these kids are coming in and and teams are trying to outsmart themselves a little bit and and save them for something. I don't know. (laughs) Years ahead. Uh, The other thing that's that's sort of been going viral, going batty a little bit in the Spurs uh, social media universe, this Ringer article that came out on Wednesday uh, talked about sort of what's wrong with the Spurs, what are they doing, but one of the things that they discussed was the relative merits of, of trading DeMar DeRozan. Apparently the Magic are interested. The Spurs right now are seventh in offense after ranking seventh last year, and a big part of that is DeMar DeRozan's ability in the mid-range. It's sort of a, a lost start in the modern NBA, and the question is whether he's a, a long-term part of this Spurs team. It sounds like the two sides, DeRozan and the Spurs, couldn't really agree on a, an extension. Apparently they're very far apart. He does have a player option for next year, but also could be the marquee free agent if he opts out. The question then becomes, should the Spurs try to get something back for him, or will they let him walk if he decides to opt out this summer? Well, I think a lot will depend on what happens between now and February, the trade deadline. How, how are the Spurs looking? Obviously, if their record is such where there's no chance of making the playoffs, you try and, and get something for the guy. And, and perhaps he's not the only one. I mean, you, you, you've got Rudy Gay st- sitting out there that might be of interest to a playoff team that could add a spark off the bench. So I think a lot's going to depend on what happens between now and the trade deadline. Uh, as to what happens. But you're right, I don't think DeMar DeRozan is back next year. I think if, if it gets to that point, he's going to say, no, I'm out, I'm going to go somewhere else. Because I, I think he sees the writing on the wall with this Spurs team, that they are a rebuilding squad, and he wants to win. He's coming into the twilight of his NBA career. So uh, he's going to want to get somewhere where he can play and try to, try to get that elusive ring. Because it's got to be driving him nuts that the Toronto Raptors won a ring last year. It has to be. Whether he says it or not, it's got to be driving him crazy. Yeah, you talk about what he's sort of, him staying around, what it sort of prevents, the opportunity cost for the Spurs. you got young guys who should be getting minutes on the wing. You know, Derek White, uh, Bryn Forbes, Lonnie Walker. You can only play so many of those guys if you're also playing DeMar DeRozan 33, 34 minutes a night. So that's a problem. I do sort of want to look at, and I fell down the rabbit hole a little bit yesterday as I was researching this, Joe. If the Spurs want to make a trade with Orlando, I think it could work out. They're a team that's looking to add some scoring. I think they want to be a little bit more in the playoff picture. That The East is obviously much weaker. They've started slow, too, so they could be in a situation where they maybe panic and maybe overpay for a, a, a trade. Maybe the Spurs can take advantage if they're, uh, if they're savvy about it. The problem is both the Spurs and the Magic are capped out, so you, you have to be careful about making the salaries match. 
The, the best salary match would be Nikola Vucevic, which would be a really interesting guy. He was a free agent this past summer. I was sort of hoping the Spurs would go after him. They would have had to do some other things mm -hmm. to clear up the space to go get him. And basically, they wouldn't have had to go get Rudy Gay back. Uh, Vucevic, he's interesting because it's uh, he's 29 right now. His salary is declining. It's 26 million next year, then 24, then 22 million. So as the, as the cap goes up, his number goes down. I think he would pair really well with uh, Lamarcus Aldridge. You could let Aldridge play the four a little bit more, which is I think where he's more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And Vucevic does have a little three-point shot, so he can actually space the floor, alleviate that uh, that problem for the Spurs a little bit. He's not a, a marksman by any stretch, but he's a really solid interior presence. Uh, the more interesting guy, of course, would be Aaron Gordon, who makes a little bit less. He's the, the, the superstar who hasn't really lived up to all the hype, hasn't lived up to all the expectations. But I think in the right system, i.e. Coach Popovich, Chip England, the, the Spurs, with their sh ability to coach shooting, he could be really dangerous. Well, I think if you could get either one of those guys, yeah. you pull the trigger on that thing today. Um, and, 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 you know, it just makes perfect sense because, again, DeRozan is gone. I, I, don't, I think that's a, it's a foregone conclusion that he's gone. So if you could pull off a trade like that today, I think, I think the Spurs would do it. Uh, it's just a matter of, um, you know, it, are those the guys that Orlando wants to part with and, uh, you know, for a DeMar DeRozan or is it not? And how does it, how do all the things work out? But yeah, I think if that, you could do that, you do it and you, and you do it right away because, um, you, know, you talk about the age on these guys and it's, it, 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 it makes sense. So we'll see what happens, but I think, uh, I think the Spurs are going to explore a lot of different options when it comes to DeRozan. And I think DeRozan's going to have some interest, especially with a team in the East that has an opportunity because let's face it, you've got the Celtics over there. You've got the Sixers over there. Um, the Bucks and the Bucks, right? And so other than that, I think it's a free for all and why not Orlando? Uh, if they can make something like that, that happens. And then boy, they, uh, all of a sudden they're elevated to, uh, elite status in the Eastern conference. I, I think, yeah, I think it would make a lot of sense, and uh, DeRozan would be a really good fit there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of young guys. They have some good shooting uh, to allow him to sort of do, be, uh, be a playmaker a little bit. And if they do decide to trade Vucevic, I, I, I was surprised they actually did resign him because they went and drafted uh, Mo Bamba in right. the top five in a recent draft, and he's just sort of languished on the bench behind Vucevic. So I think you could sort of solve a couple different problems for a couple different teams with that kind of trade. So that's our big fun take of the day. <laughs> it gets big and fun. Uh, do you want to make one more note from that Ringer story uh, just because Kevin O'Connor had a, a great line here. Quote, uh, DeJounte Murray moves like he permanently has the golden mushroom in Mario Kart. So the Spurs <laughs> let him run. <laughs> he does. If you watch him on the fast break, it's, it's really fun. I think that's the future for the Spurs. And uh, really excited to see where they take it. Uh, in the next couple of seasons, but even in the next couple games, in the next couple weeks, we'll be back to break it all down next week here on the Big Fun Pod. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at Big Fun Pod on Twitter, and of course, Ken's Five on Twitter, Facebook, uh, the Ken's Five app, everything you need to know. Joe Ryan Eagle every night at 10 o'clock. Yes. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for coming on today. Cameron, thanks for having me. This was fun. I hope uh, Jackson's back soon and, and yeah. getting some sleep. Yeah, wishing him the best for him Absolutely. and his, his family. Congratulations to him and his family. That's all the time we have, Spurs fans. Until next time, he's Joe Ryan Eagle. I'm Cameron Songer. This has been the Big Fun Pod.